Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football, and on it you will hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins, losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Megan. U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at any given you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan, and we are back again, baby. Before we get into today's content, I would like to ask everybody if you could please find the time in your busy schedule to get over to either Spotify or Apple Pods, leave us a five-star rating, write a little review for us. It certainly helps the algorithm. The podcast helps spread the content to a wider audience, a bigger fan base, if you will, as we are trying to grow this thing here in 2022. The, the, the Any Given You community has been so good in supporting us thus far, and we want to grow this community and grow this fan base as we continue here to push forward in what is year two of our fledgling podcast. So if you could please uh, get on over there, give us a rating and review, it would help tremendously. Before we get into today's content, which will be the sixth and final installment of the Summer Dream series that we've been doing, I just want to give a heartfelt apology to all my hardcore Any Given You listeners, the, the You crew. I am acutely aware that it has been nearly a month since we have released our last episode. Life has just been so busy. I am literally recording this on a kitchen table in an Airbnb I'm currently renting before we make our aforementioned move, as some of you know, some of you may not know, out to College Station, Texas, where I will be accepting a job out there with Texas A&M University as ROTC cadre. Really looking forward to seeing what Aggie Land's all about. Really looking forward to growing this uh, this brand, this podcast, this community out there with a, a place that I believe to be a true football town. Uh, from all, you know, everything that I've heard about this place, the, the, the heartbeat of of Bryan College Station, where I'll be staying, you know, it, it beats maroon and white there in Texas A&M. So extremely excited to see what that culture looks like out there. I think it's going to be kind of interesting, too, to live in a place that's so homogenized as far as the fan base goes. Being here in Columbus, Georgia, over the last de- you know decade plus, we have a lot of Georgia fans. Obviously, we have a ton of Alabama fans. We've got Auburn fans. We have Florida fans. And because Fort Benning's right there, you have fans of every team as folks have you know traveled in from across the country. That's what makes this spot for college football so interesting in that regard. You know, getting so many different takes and so many different opinions on, uh, you know, the, the game from a national standpoint. It's going to be really interesting to see that kind of flipped on its head moving into a place like Bryan College Station where everything the world basically revolves around Texas A&M football. 
Don't worry, I'm still going to go in there with my Georgia hat, sporting the Power G. I'm not taking it off the truck. I don't care how many sets of tires I got to go through out there. <laughs> I, I hope uh, they're you know accepting of a Georgia Bulldog out there. But I'm um, definitely looking forward to immersing myself in the culture out there and seeing what that's all about. And then having a, an outstanding opportunity to have a real true impact on our nation's future officers out there at Texas A&M, such a prestigious Corps of Cadets. I'm just, I'm so excited, tickled to death. But as of right now, we're doing what we have to do here. And uh, I've been very busy, obviously, at work, kids, uh, you know, my trying to give my wife some, some of my time and attention uh, as we have, you know, been busting our ass this summer to really make all of these happen. You know, speaking of summer dreams, right, our summer dream is to be able to move out there and do that. And it's taken a lot of time, so I am I am uh, sorry that it has taken a month, uh, just about a month. June 28th was our last episode. We're sitting here recording this one on July 23rd. So, uh, but we are going to close this one out today. And I appreciate all the hardcores hanging in there uh, and and really you know supporting the U when I haven't been putting out too much content. I certainly appreciate everybody on that Facebook group, everybody that's been uh, getting the Any Given You merchandise and sporting that around Battalion, uh, you know, whether that's stickers or T-shirts, I certainly appreciate all that. And I certainly appreciate, uh, you know, everybody that's going to be along for the ride here for this fall 2022, because I think this is going to be our best season yet as far as what we are going to do from an engagement standpoint and everything else. So just hang in there with me. This, the, I feel like this is we're going to go places here and, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. We're finishing this Summer Dream Series today with Part 6. We have a couple of teams to talk about in the Big Ten. We got a couple in the Pac-12, just a handful. This won't be a very quick, uh, this won't be a very long episode uh, today, rather. Uh, and we're going to get started with the Maryland Terrapins. Now, when I look at Maryland as a team, this is a team to me that this fall could be that Big Ten East team that gives other teams in the conference fits as far as being able to stop them. I think offensively, this is a team that has a very, very potent and maybe a very underrated passing attack. If you're not in the know about this team, this is a team that looks like they are going to score 40 plus a week and dare you to score as many points to beat them. I don't know what they're going to be able to do defensively. I'm not extremely high on this team defensively under Mike Loxley, who's more of an offensive guy, but this receiving trio that the Maryland Terrapins have along with quarterback Talia Tugavailoa has to have you excited if you are a Maryland Terrapins fan. They have a three-headed monster in Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Demas, and the Florida Gators transfer, Jacob Copeland, who caught 85 passes and scored nine times over the last three seasons there in Florida to add as another deep threat to this attack. In fact, if you were to combine the numbers from Dante Demas, Rakeem Jarrett, and Jacob Copeland, uh, from last year, between the three of them, you have 131 receptions for 1,978 yards, 12 touchdowns, an average of 15.3 yards per reception. And with Talia Tugavailoa coming back, who threw for nearly 4,000 yards last season and 26 touchdowns, definitely interceptions, still a concern with this quarterback. But when you have the options that this guy is going to have in a sort of a wide open spread attack, 
that Maryland has run over the last couple of years, I think we could see something pretty difficult. Difficult, you know, I would say uh, would be the best way to describe it with what defenses are going to be looking at when they are lining up against Maryland. This sort of has the feels of maybe that first year Lane Kiffin team in Ole Miss, which was, you know, a team that was just insanely hard to keep off of the scoreboard. Defensively, let's not get into that too much. Remember, this is summer dreams, not summer nightmares. Uh, But offensively, a team that is going to be able to throw punches and bunches and a team that if you let them hang around and, you know, turn it into a shootout, we could see the the Maryland Terrapins clip a couple of teams this year, especially with the with with this talent that they have, you know, top to bottom in their receiver core. And one final thought: if you take a look around the Big Ten East, what teams in there are really built for a shootout type of competition? If you can't stymie this offense, what teams in the Big Ten East are really set up to go blow for blow with these guys? I would say Ohio State, undoubtedly. I would say maybe Michigan has a shot to do that as well with what they have in their receiver core and what they have at quarterback and offensive line as well. I think they could put up some some uh, big-time points. But other than that, what other Big Ten East team have you really seen that is going, you know, you are confident is going to be able to score 38 to 49 points if necessary to win a shootout against a team like a Maryland? Again, I mean, it could get interesting, like I was saying. So uh, definitely something to be excited about. The three-headed monster in the receiving core in Rakeem Jarrett, Dante Demas, and Jacob Copeland pairing up with Talia Tagovailoa with an all-gas, no-breaks offense should be really fun to watch this fall. We are going to close out the Big Ten with taking a trip to the Big Ten West and talking about the Illinois Fighting Illini who last year under Brett Bielema, I actually think, punched a little bit above their weight class and actually performed a little bit better and a little more game than I thought maybe they would in year one. We saw an Illini team last year physically wanted to impose its will and did so in some of their competitions. I mean, thinking back to that overtime win against Penn State, a team like Illinois had absolutely no business beating Penn State. I don't care if it was overtime or any other time. And yet they found a way to do it. And I think that is the mark of a coach that understands the culture and the process of what he's trying to build at a team like Illinois. Coming off of last year, the strength of this Illinois football team was certainly their offensive line. And that has to be patched up as that was a very veteran group. So you would expect that they will be able to lean on them and do some things. Uh, given you know these guys had been in the weight room strength and conditioning program the process they were you know grown men across the the starting offensive line so that does that that does have to be patched up this year but illinois has benefited from the transfer portal as many teams have in the you know current market that we're sitting in with what the transfer portal provides teams to especially teams like illinois and teams that are at that mid-major sort of level that it allows you to stop the bleeding a little bit. It allows you a little bit of a stopgap of talent when your roster would normally be depleted and you would have to go into the developmental stage if you are savvy enough, leverage the portal well enough, and provide an opportunity for some players who are coming from bigger programs that didn't get that playing time, but you're giving them an opportunity at a place like Illinois. They can come in and play for you and produce for you. Right now, they have Tommy DeVito, transfer quarterback from Syracuse, who was actually not 
untalented by any stretch of the imagination. He just played behind a miserable offensive line there at Syracuse. So you would have to think that in order to lure him away to Illinois, he has to at least like the pocket that he's going to be potentially working from. And if this team can even put together what I would consider a competent or complementary passing attack to what they were able to do on the ground, we could see the offense take a step forward. We could see this team progress maybe in a linear fashion here this next season. And I think that's what you have to be excited about overall is I think Brett Bielema instilling his mark, his culture, his process, and now influxing with a little bit of transfer talent to maybe you know, not have to start over again from scratch from year one to year two. Maybe if at least they can hold serve this year and continue to improve in the margins, we could see this Illinois team take another step towards being a potentially relevant team in the conference. Now, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not calling for Illinois to threaten for the Big Ten West or a Big Ten championship anytime this year, next year, or the year after that even. But what I do see Brett Bielema able to do with this team is to get them to a team that is a consistent, bowl eligible squad, is, a, is an organization that is hard physical, hard-nosed team that is really difficult to put away and not somebody that you particularly look forward to playing as an easy W every single season. I see him building something there, a, a scrappy six to eight win type team sort of perennially that can knock out a couple of the front runners. I think you could see that out of Illinois. And if he really actually does tap into the recruiting, the actual talent hotbed in a place like the Chicago area, which is frequented by Ohio State and Notre Dame to leverage a lot of their top recruits. I said this in an episode that I did last year with the sleeping giants of the Power Five. Illinois is absolutely a sleeping giant. It is a sleeping giant program in the Power Five. If they are able to keep Chicago area recruits home and bring them to Champaign, I don't know. I mean, we could see maybe they do get an NIL collective together and start leveraging more of that talent, and we see them start to transcend and take another step forward. But even in lieu of all that, even if none of that happens, even if that pipe dream, you know, that never does happen, I do see Brett Bielema being able to build a competent and blue-collar mentality, tough, physical, Big Ten West football team, which will just put them solidly in the mix with the likes of the Minnesotas and the Iowas and the Wisconsins. You know, I, I, that's where I see, and I think that is a mark of and a marker for success. I believe that's what success at Illinois looks like, is just being in that mix of you know being a top three team in the Big Ten West every single year. And I think we're going to see another step towards that eventuality this season. Uh, I'm not sure that they go bowling this year. Uh, I'm going to have to sit down and dissect those numbers a little bit better, but I don't see them taking a step back from last season is what, uh, what I am most excited about for Illinois in this year. And I think you need to be most excited about if you are an Illinois fan or if you, you know, are familiar with that program in any way and seen the struggles and the ups and downs over the last several years. So holding serve this year, I am excited for that. Brett Bielema, year two, continuing to refine and build the culture there. 
I'm excited. We're wrapping up this episode today with a trio of Pac-12 teams. And where I want to start is a really interesting case study in looking at the glass as half full. We are taking a trip to Boulder to talk about some Colorado Buffaloes. Last season, let's just let's just put this in perspective, folks. All right. Colorado had 22 players transfer out of the program, including six starters, and head coach Carl Durrell had to replace six of his 10 full-time coaches. That comes after a very disappointing season, uh, a really tumultuous offseason, negative connotations everywhere, just People just don't really, when you're thinking of Colorado, when you're thinking about Colorado, you're just like, well, that's a team that's going to suck. That's a team that's not very good. That is a team that is very much in a down point here in history, which is really interesting because if you were a you know, person who was old enough to remember the late 80s, early 90s, Colorado was actually a relative powerhouse at one time. And they had players like Rashawn Salam and actually won a national championship or a co-national championship in the early 90s. And it, honestly, it wasn't even really that long ago that they were competing in a Pac-12 championship as well. So what happened to this program, you know, to, to kind of send it into a little bit of a nosedive in recent history here? I would say that Getting outside of the X's and O's, if we just take a look in the margins for this one, this is going to be a little more touchy-feely with what to be excited about if you are a Colorado fan, because I'll be honest with you, if you're crunching hard numbers right now, it is not pretty. I will say this. If you had 22 players leave the program, if you had 6 of 10 coaches leave the program, and in the current era of NIL and the free transfer market and everything else, if you were head coach Carl Durrell, if you are a Colorado Buffaloes fan and you're taking a look around and you are seeing the players that are on your roster right now, you're seeing the players go in every single day, they're lifting weights, they're doing their summer conditioning, they're getting ready to break for fall camp here. At least you can say this, those are players that want to be there. Those are players that have had opportunity. They've had every excuse in the book to jump off of that ship, especially if they are players that are good enough to play at some other programs, to snag scholarships at other programs, or maybe even transfer conferences and whatnot, as we get the feeling that the Pac-12 in general may be a little bit of a sinking ship right now with all the conference realignment. But those are players that want to be there. Those are players that want to be there for each other. They, they are working hard for each other. And although you may have a team that's not terribly deep, terribly talented, or whatever, uh, you have a team at least comprised of guys who volunteered to stay when everybody else was jumping ship. So at least what you might be able to say this fall or see this fall is a team in Colorado that, yeah, the scoreboard might not reflect. The win and loss column may not reflect a team that is very good or very talented or very deep or a team that's going to be relevant anytime soon. But it may be a team that you look at as a team that has put in effort. They fight hard on the field with what they do have. They fight for each other. They've really kind of circled the wagons in that locker room for each other. And I think that you can build on that. That is something that you can build a culture around. That is something that you can build future success on. The real question is, is whether or not the University of Colorado will be patient enough to allow Carl Durrell to do that. 
because there is a nucleus of freshmen, sophomores, underclassmen right now that are going to grow up in that environment. They are going to grow up with that chip on their shoulder and that us against the world sort of mentality that could make a very dangerous team as the roster matures and gets that on the job training, gets the reps, plays in those games. But it's whether or not they can be patient enough to let that process happen. So for 2022, I'd say if you're a Colorado Buffaloes fan, just take solace in the fact that the folks that are still standing in there are at least kids that have bought in, believe in a process and staying the course and playing hard for each other because that might be all you're going to be able to hold on to because I think this team, honestly, on the field is probably going to get their ass kicked pretty bad up and down the Pac-12 South. But who knows? I mean, you know, they could join the ranks of the other tryhards in that division like the like Arizona, you know, the feistiest one-win team in America last year. So it will be interesting to see. Maybe they, uh, you know, catch somebody on a down week, clip them, and take a dump in their punch bowl. I'm not sure exactly, but – you know, Colorado, a team that, again, chip on the shoulder, us against them, circle the wagons mentality. Uh, look out for that here in 2022. We'll finish today talking about a pair of California teams in the Pac-12 with UCLA and Cal. Let's get started with Cal actually first. Last year, the Golden Bears went 5-7 and seven under coach Justin Wilcox. And he seems to be actually pretty encouraged about this 2022 squad, citing that five of their losses were by a possession, one possession last year. And if they can just find a way to execute in the margins, they will turn those losses into wins. I'm glad that he's optimistic about his team. Again, this is another circle the wagons kind of team, a a coach like Justin Wilcox knows what sort of squad he wants to put together. They're going to be physical. They want to try to lean on the line of scrimmage play. They're going to play defensive football, play keep away on offense, try to pound the rock, field position. It's just a classic 1.0 version team. You've heard me talk about those kinds of teams. And that is what he wants to instill there in the Cal Golden Bears. The thing is, is I think in the Pac-12, you can actually have a lot of success with that kind of model as long as you have the commensurate talent, as long as you have the talent available to get you a couple of the explosive plays when you need it, make a couple of the key throws when you need them so that teams can't just put nine in the box and you know dare you to run it at them. And that is where Cal has seriously sort of fallen short over the last couple of years. It's just been the competent quarterback play, the consistent quarterback play, uh, and being able to take advantage of that and play a balanced style of offensive ball, complementary ball. They're a team that, again, a school with strict academic sort of requirements. They are going to recruit a certain kind of kid there, and uh, they have to you know, hope that those sort of recruits that are able to go to that school in the first place hit for them. Uh, now, I am not in that locker room. I'm not around that program on the day in and day out. I am not Coach Wilcox, so I have to take him at his word when he says that he's excited for the 2022 football season and being able to get kids in positions that physically are able to do their jobs. They just haven't shown it yet because they haven't had the opportunity to be on the field. So, again, optimism from the coaching staff here for the Cal Golden Bears. I am not as optimistic for the sort of, I don't know what would really be quantified as success. I have to look at it, I look at it a little bit skewed, obviously, because I'm a George Bulldogs fan. So my definition of success 
when I'm looking at the kind of programs that I normally watch is going to look drastically different from what a Cal Golden Bears fan would define as success for this upcoming year. I believe getting back to bowl eligibility for this Cal team would certainly be looked at as a successful season, and I certainly wish them the best of luck with that with a coach as respected in the game as Justin Wilcox and a program builder such as himself. Stopping at the last stop in all of the Summer Dream series. Holy Lord, I never thought we would actually be here when I undertook this doing this uh, series here, but we are going to talk about the UCLA Bruins under head coach Chip Kelly, a coach that I was very, very harsh on. Let's put it that way. I, I, I went back and I listened to some of the things that I said about him last year, and I really did feel that this was a coach that was going to be likely fired by the end of last season. I thought that I didn't expect anything, to be honest with you, like nothing in terms of any sort of success out of UCLA. And they, you know, they sort of surprised me. I didn't expect them to beat LSU to start the season. I didn't expect them to become you know, an eight-win program last year. I didn't, my expectations were pretty much nil. But coming into this year, they get Dorian Thompson-Robinson back, DTR as people call him, at the quarterback position, a guy that now has a ton of on-the-field reps. and The experience at the quarterback position is something that I think you really have to be excited for if you are a Bruins fan, especially I know uh, Chip Kelly is very excited. And again, a, a team and a roster that actually returns quite a bit in terms of experience, playmakers, uh, good guys that are you know in the trenches on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, plenty of talent and speed sort of sprinkled across the roster to go with the leader that is Dorian Thompson Robinson in a Pac-12 South that is, I'm not going to call it wide open because I feel like Utah might have something to say about that. I feel like, you know, this. I, I, as much as people don't want to admit it, this USC program is going to be able to put up a lot of points. So I think there is sort of maybe a hard glass ceiling there as far as you know breaking in and actually winning this division but a division that outside of you know teams like Utah and USC is very much winnable i mean very winnable uh, that number 2 number 3 spot in the Pac-12 South i do believe could be wide open you know and i think that UCLA could find themselves in a position where they are battling it out with USC to you know kind of ch- for the right to i guess you could say chase Utah down there I am I'm very high on this Utah team by the way if you know you think it's too optimistic I'll beg to differ but um, you know I think I could see UCLA in that position I could see UCLA reaching up and becoming a nine win uh, threatening maybe even for a 10 win squad uh, in the Pac-12 South this year with the kind of roster they have with a playmaker like DTR that is able to do things with his feet. If he can clean up some of the decision-making, some of the, uh, you know, some of the stuff in the passing game and actually push the ball down the field a little bit more this fall, I think you're going to see the offense take another step forward. Defensively, I see a lot of speed across this roster for this UCLA defense. So that's something to actually really be excited about when you're talking about matching up with a team like USC that's going to want to flick it around and get playmakers out in the open so again this UCLA Bruins team not bare for talent in a a position with a coach like Chip Kelly that is coaching a little bit better than I expected out of him and is really maybe building something there in LA besides just his next 
launching point to somewhere else he's going to coach. So that's what I'm excited about for this 2022 season here is the, the, the returning continuity there at quarterback, the playmakers they have on the roster, and the fact that Chip Kelly is better, better than I thought, better than I predicted, and at least has a job coming into this 2022 season with, I think, an opportunity to put even a better product on the field here this fall. And there it is, folks. That is Summer Dreams Part 6. We have closed out all of the Power 5 teams and Notre Dame included in that as our lone uh, independent. Uh, The list wouldn't be complete if we had left them out. So 65 teams there with uh, big dreams and expectations here in the summer for this 2022 season. And that is a wrap for today. I certainly appreciate you guys spending some time with us here at Any Given You. And remember, if you uh, enjoyed what you heard here today, please get over to either Apple Pods or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review if, if, you, if you think it's worth it. And um, please write us a, you know, a, quick, a quick little uh, blurb there. Tell your friends about the podcast as we are going to continue to try to grow the You Crew Uh, here moving towards the 2022 season and remember any given time any given place any given team you get it here at any given you